Hey, you guys. Uh, do you want to hear a joke? I do, Tim. Okay. So, it's economist related. Uh, why is the work of an economist and a plumber so similar in nature? Why? Both of them handle gross domestic product. <laughs> <laughs> that is a good one. I'll give you that one. Nice. That's good. Hi, this is Tim. This is just a heads up that all the advice you're hearing in this podcast is general in nature. If you want something more specific, then feel free to contact us. Drunk accountant, drunk accountant, drunk, drunk, drunk accountant, drunk accountant, drunk accountant, drunk, drunk, drunk accountant, drunk accountant, drunk accountant, drunk accountant, drunk accountant, drunk accountant, Hello and welcome to the podcast. My name is Dan. And I'm Tim. And we are the two drunk accountants. Today with us on the podcast, Jeremy Thorpe, r- repeat guest, yeah. uh, uh, chief economist at PwC. G'day, Jeremy. G'day, guys. It's good to have you back. Good to have you back. We're going to dive into all things the economy as, as we go on. Yeah. Uh, but Tim, first thing, what, what is, is the Tim, Tim and Dan Lowe? How was your week, Tim? Uh, yeah, great. Mm. Yeah, can't complain. Yeah. Um, I am going to an AFL fantasy draft this week. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, this is for all those uh, numbers nerds out there. Actually, I reckon Jeremy might be into something like this. Uh, <laughs> oh, I'm a big GWS supporter. So I, I, would, I would be skewed in the way I, I invested my money, I think. Yeah, you have to be careful. You do have to be careful who you choose because the heart wants one thing. The mind wants another. <laughs> I'm a massive Essendon Bombers fan. So... Um, so yeah, it's not we, gonna get you far. <laughs> it's <does> not. <laughs> We've got about two decent players. <laughs> no. um, but yeah, so I am so super keen for uh, that AFL uh, fantasy draft that I've got coming up this week. Nice. Mm. nice. What about you, Dan? Anything happening? Well, by the time this podcast comes out, I would have uh, already been a panelist on the backing business. Mm. Sorry, not the backing business. The future of business. Yeah. For I'm getting my forums mixed up there. <laughs> Um, and uh, I'm sure it would have been great. <laughs> and I hope some people that are listening were, were able to attend. Yeah, nice. Uh, so, yeah, that, that, that would have been my week by the time this is up. <laughs> You're doing a future. Doing a future. Nice. A future In one. In the future. Yeah, exactly. Uh, J- Jeremy, what have you been up to? Been, been busy? You're back in the office, we can see. I'm starting to plan my interview overseas holiday. So oh, I'm yes. fully invested in traveling for the first time in three years. Yes. Yeah. I, I'm getting married in a couple of months and we're trying to figure out what to do for a honeymoon. And we're thinking of, of going to Fiji sometime in May. So that'll be interesting. We'll see what happens there. Yeah. I wonder uh, where, are you, where are you thinking of heading, Jeremy? Um, I, I want to go to Istanbul Ooh, with nice. the family. And I'm trying to... T- uh, trying to have a holiday so that my daughter can't go on schoolies. <laughs> so, the, so the payment for that is it's probably going to be Florida. Yeah. Oh. That'll be good. Oh, that sounds amazing. That's so it'll good. Be, it? It'll be better than her going to schoolies. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a fair trade-off. Yeah. If, uh, if, if my parents were like, hey, come to Florida or go to schoolies, I'd be like, yeah. Oh, yeah, I'm going to Florida. Yeah, I mean, she, yeah. Your daughter probably secretly would prefer to go to Florida anyway. It's not what she's going to be telling you, but. <laughs> well, if that's the case, we'll all be happy. Yeah. <laughs> that's great. That's good. Uh, so, Tim, business update. Yeah, it's business update time. Uh, thank you. Cats sponsored by cats. Yeah, yeah, sponsored by cats. Um, so, I've got actually a clipping here. and um, Jeremy can see this on the, on the video feed. Uh, this is from my mum, Jeremy. She's one of the, our number one fans on the, on the podcast. Um, and essentially what this one is talking about is that uh, COVID has been a catalyst for business launches. Mm. So um, I thought this was an interesting one to chat about here and today for this episode because we did sit down with Jeremy two years ago mm. and we were talking about the future. And at that time, you know, lockdown was a foreign idea. Mm. Um, the thought of a stimulus package like JobKeeper was just out of this world. Yep. Um, and what we've seen since is apparently um, a lot of business launches. Mm. So, there has been a lot of exits, but uh, actually far more launches of business. Yeah. And this is something that we've been talking about anecdotally like we we haven't had the statistics to to back it up but i the vibe that i've been feeling is just we've had a lot of people coming on board who are new to business or starting a business and i think that was the the whole um people were trying to figure out what was important to them over lockdown and they were sick of working for the man Mm. and so they go "I'm, i'm finally doing that thing and i'm starting a business yeah and then there was the opposite of that, which was people who had been working for themselves. Yep. It was tough. It was hard. And they're done and they want to go just get a job. Yep. 
And a lot of people were doing that as well. Yeah. But, but it's interesting to see that there was far more people yep. doing the first thing than there was the second. So just plucking a few stats from this, mm. there was a 20% jump in the number of new businesses launched in 2021. Um, so that is 483,000 businesses formed in 2021 compared to an average of 400,000 or less over the preceding five years. Wow. So that is quite a jump. Um, and then there's a, a story here, which was actually a zero alcohol beer company. <laughs> which I, I'm which, a fan of zero alcohol beer, nah, Jeremy. So, Jeremy's shaking Yeah, it's called Heaps Normal, which is really cool name. <laughs> That's and, just a funny name, though. <laughs> I love it. And uh, yeah, they were born in the middle of COVID and they've, they're very successful. They're in Dan Murphy's now, um, yeah, well, if that's any reflection of success, but mm. I think it is. So <laughs> means we, we can buy it. I buy it. <laughs> I pay $16 for four cans of non-alcoholic beer. <laughs> what a waste. Um, so yeah, wouldn't have thought that that would come from COVID. Mm. Yeah, quite fascinating. Quite fascinating. Is that something that you've heard a lot about, Jeremy? Yeah, I've certainly seen it. A lot of friends in the professional services space who got laid off in that first round. I mean, you've got to remember the cost of capital for starting a business now is lower. You don't need to buy equipment. Mm. You're not buying big machinery. Platforms are built for you automatically. So you've got advertising platforms. You don't need to go advertise in the yellow pages or whatever. So we've actually made it easier to start a business in the current environment. Uh, And in some senses, people got thrown out of their, their easy way of life and said, let's try something different. Yeah. yeah, that's a really good point that the, yeah. the barrier to entry into starting your own business is much lower now than it's probably ever been, especially if you're in those professional services. Mm, yeah, and everyone was buying online. I mean, I know, mm. for example, I spent, <laughs> for our team, I spent $500 on donuts <laughs> to be delivered during <laughs> lockdown. Who would, have, who would spend $500 on donuts? So it was just a minimum order of $50 per person mm. to, be, to have them delivered. They were so, good donuts. But I mean, those those things just you just wouldn't imagine mm. of doing that in the past. But um, yeah, great value for money, I think. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> all right, that's a great business update, and it feeds well into our main topic. But first, Tim, tight ass tip. What have you got for us today? Ah, uh, tight ass tip. Well, I think yeah, I'm just gonna run with a um, tried and true uh, use. Mm. Uh, that so. I've been I've been eating Marley Spoon. So a bit of context mm. around this. You guys know what Marley Spoon is? Yeah, yeah, it's like a, a box delivered box with delivered. pre pre-packaged ingredients to cook meals during the week. So, there is a little bit of a loophole here. Mm. So when you first order Marley Spoon, you get discount vouchers. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's meant to be for friends so that they can have Marley Spoon delivered and mm. they get the first box free and then $25 off the next three boxes. Mm which is pretty great. Mm. So that's like almost a month of you're going to eat for free for about half the month. Mm. It's pretty good. Very good. Um, Now there is an option there that you could use this voucher for yourself. (laughs) 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 It's a little sus, but Hey, I mean, Marley Spoon is still getting business out of it. (laughs) So so your tight ass tip is to scam the system. (laughs) (laughs) Deliver it to your parents and go pick up the box. Yeah. Now I will admit in, in time gone past, I have done this and it does work well. It's tried and tested. They must be, there's no way around it either. They, they must be fuming about uh, people doing this. So, if you if you were looking to sponsor the podcast, Miley Spoon or uh, HelloFresh or any of these people, we're sorry. I've got to say though, yeah. I am loving the food and I'm cooking more. And you know, one unintended benefit mm. of cooking every night, because we used to do just a bulk cook on a Sunday or Monday and, mm. and then eat that as leftovers during the week. Yeah. Well, now- we actually cook every night and we, because you cook, you sit down and eat together. <laughs> yeah. Whereas if you're just reheating a meal, you sit on the couch and watch TV. So, um, there is actually some unintended consequences of, of getting Marley Spoon or that's, that's HelloFresh or any of them. That's good, Tim. There you go. There's a positive. That's a positive to why come people from. people should not use the scam yeah. that I have just <laughs> preached. <laughs> I, uh, I'd like to give a quick update to a previous week. Um, tight ass tip which okay. was to buy your soy milk at Audi uh, they've increased the price oh. I know it's I think it was four fifty, and you know uh, unlike ScoMo I do know the price of milk <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, yeah four fifty. It, it was it was a shame that is a shame it was a shame it used to be a dollar cheaper at Audi it was that uh, yeah Rampant yeah. inflation. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. exactly yeah. <laughs> so imagine how much coals are going to sell it for now 480 
I was yeah, there. but their price will change. <laughs> their price is going up. Yeah, you'd assume. But uh, yeah, so if, if you're making those coffees in the morning with your bonsoi, unfortunately- I am. You're not making the discounts that, that we suggested earlier. <laughs> That's upsetting. So it was good while it lasted. It was great while it lasted. All right. Did you, well, move, did you move the market? Did, did your previous <laughs> recommendation- <laughs> Force the price up. I think you're right. I think that may have happened. Al, uh, Mr. Aldi was listening to the show. Yeah. And like, We're going to up that price. We haven't changed that for a while. Exactly. Yes. Uh, we should keep these to ourselves, Jim. <laughs> All right. Well, that's that's a great tight ass tip. Um, let's move on to our main topic today, which is our chat with Jeremy, uh, all about the economy. So we mentioned at the start that it was literally almost exactly two years ago um, that, that we spoke last time, Jeremy. It was, uh, the episode came out March 23, 2020. And for all those out there who remember dates, that was the day that they officially closed all restaurants and, and gyms and pubs and everything. So we re- we'd recorded a couple days before that, mm. but the, the world was still very unknown at that point. Um, I think we were wondering what the world could look like during a pandemic. You know, people were thinking, oh, lockdown might go for six months if it happens. And, you know, we'll, we'll feel the effects for about a year and then see what happens. And two years later, uh, we, you know, two years and a lot of long hours for accountants, especially over the past two years, uh, here we are. Yeah. So I thought it would be a good opportunity to, to have a look back at the last two years and just sort of be like, <laughs> w- what did that actually look like compared to what we expected? Yeah. But then mainly look look to the future. I would love to hear from Jeremy first, though. Do you think the last two years have gone, and I'm not saying compared to things you said two years ago, because who can, I can't even remember things yeah. I said yesterday. yesterday <laughs> so, um, but do you think, did, were there any surprises for you over the last couple of years? Um, I think the key thing for me is we probably would never have predicted the, the scale of government spending in that first period. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, in hindsight, when the first stimulus package came out, that seemed like a reasonably sized thing. Yeah. But that got dwarfed by JobKeeper and JobSeeker. I mean, the amount of money is just uh, hard to put your head around at the moment. Yeah. If you look back at pandemics around the world, and you'd say, oh, there's not that many, but in fact, you know, if you add them together with SARS and BIRDS yeah. and... Spanish and so forth. Yep. Um, what it shows is that it takes about three years on average to get back to where you were pre-pandemic. So we yeah. bounced back really quickly. Our mm. economy within a year got back to the level it was pre-pandemic. We didn't get back to where we would have been after a year. and We're yeah. still not back to where we would have been on a trajectory sense. Cool. But the recovery is actually quicker than we would have thought. But I think the message that many people struggled with initially was, this is not a normal recession. This is not a normal economic downturn. Normally in an economic downturn, you kind of meander into it and there's um, a bubble of some sort or interest rates rise or there's some trigger, but it doesn't kill the economy overnight. Because we purposefully killed our economy overnight. (laughs) But what the history has told us that it took us a while to kind of remember the history was you either get a vaccine or you become... um, it just becomes part of life yeah, reasonably yeah. quickly and the, and the economy bounces back. Now, maybe we've had a few false starts and so forth, mm. but you've got to remember jobs, for example, after the GFC took eight years to get back to the level of unemployment that we had. Wow. Whereas, yeah. whereas with our jobs are higher now. We've got more people employed now than we did pre-pandemic. Wow. So yeah. now a lot of that is because we, you know, we pump prime the economy. We're living on a sugar high still. <laughs> um, and so, you know, we've, had our, we've got our sugar drink. Um, and so, we're very active, but we're not still stable. We are not at a long run end yeah. point. There's still a lot of change well, still to occur. Dan, Dan is someone who's very familiar with sugar highs. Yeah. He has the odds <laughs> an accident. So, but I think it would be great to actually look back at some of our discussion points from two years ago. Yeah. And then we'll launch into... I would love to hear more about the employment situation right now too, because there's so there's so many angles to look at that too. Um, yeah, uh, yeah. So. I, I think so. so I, I went back and I actually listened to our episode, uh, just thinking, what did we talk about? And it was so funny to feel like a snapshot in time, and and we were talking about cash flow boost, and we were talking about uh, the government backed loans, and how you know oh, it's an interesting time that'll help with the cash flow over that period. Uh, the amount of clients of ours that uh, actually got one of those government-backed loans was zero. Yeah. 
Not one. Um, yeah. There was a few that went for it. Not one got one. Yeah. So that was an interesting. Very so interesting. So basically, that was a fizzle. That fizzle because it took too long. It, yeah. Uh, yeah. Just wasn't realistic. And then JobKeeper was announced anyway. Like two so, weeks later. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it was funny listening to that. And then, but basically, it was just uncertainty and it was all about all right maybe we should just try and how do you protect your assets which includes yeah. your staff and includes all that and obviously JobKeeper played a big role in that yeah. but some of the things that we spoke about were uh yeah what kind of recovery we'd actually have there was an argument of like will it be like a snapback will it yeah. be a slow thing we didn't know and so we as you've just mentioned we've recovered pretty well Bounce back. Um, yeah, yeah um, compared to, to what we would have thought um, but then <laughs> we were even talking about how will this change the way people work from home yeah there you go is that going to accelerate <laughs> the transition to working from home and it certainly did but I do feel like we're flipping back the other way a little yeah. bit now again everyone loves coming in the office now yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah well, I think that one's still to play out yeah, I think yeah. we've still got a, a fair way to go on that one yeah, yeah. okay interesting the, um, I mean if you every survey that we do says that People who were reluctant to work from home before now are more are feel happier about it. But most people want to go back to the office or their work environment at least part of the time. Yes. I mean, I struggle with this because as a white-collar professional, I just assume everyone can work from home. Yeah. And you've got to remember it's probably only about 40 or 50% of the community um, were able to work from home. True. Um, but we think about a third of the people will not want to go back um, and will want to actually stay at home and the percentage also well the vast majority of people want the flexibility to to spend some time at home yeah yeah we've, totally agree with that. we've definitely felt that in our office you know so it's the greater part of the last two years we've mm. worked from home and our team has worked whoop, from home yeah. um but what i do feel is we <laughs> there were some things that were missing from that you know there that that human touch that that yeah. ability to learn by just being in the same room as other yeah, people and yeah. listening to their conversations mm-hmm. uh we're missing and so we've kind of come back to as you're talking about this people want to be partly from home and partly from the office yeah and yeah. There's, there's a fear of missing out will drive some people back to the office you miss <laughs> out on those corridor discussions yeah. but equally um what i've found now back at the office more is if you're at home you fill your day with video chats where in fact yeah. a a 15 or half hour video chat might have been a five minute discussion in a corridor. So true. Uh, and so I mm. think people get some more, ironically, get a little bit more of their life back being <laughs> in an office environment that you lost. <laughs> Even though you're at home and you didn't have your commute, your day became denser. Mm. So strange. Yeah, I think you're right. And so that led to lost productivity um, by working from home permanently. Yeah. Well, yeah. this is. I think the debate's still out about what's more productive yeah. and uh, the literature struggles with long-term productivity because mm. people are generally, you do things for a year, you can probably reasonably productive, but over mm. time it dissipates. Um, I, I'm sure there's PhD students out there now yeah. <laughs> trying to gather Studying data on it. it. <laughs> but um, I, I do think it, it's highly variable as to whether you are more or less productive and capturing some of the other unintended consequences of just the mental health issues of not being around people and so forth, I think is we still don't really get the complete picture. And yeah. that became very apparent last year in 2021. Mm. That lockdown was so tough. I'm not sure what your experience was there, Jeremy, but yeah, that was challenging. Yeah. Mm. Well, and you particularly see it in the data. The, I don't know if you've ever seen Google mobility data. One of the things of the pandemic is it flushed up new data sources, which were real time. Uh-huh. So if you Google Google mobility data, Yep. It tra- you're always being tracked. Your phone is being tracked and they know where you are. They categorize you by whether you're at home, in a park, in shops, yep. in an office. And Victoria, with all of their lockdowns, did not come back in the same way. They still spent money, but they didn't come back to the office or go out wow. in the same rate because people were scarred from that lockdown experience, yeah, fear right. of COVID and so forth. Yep. So we actually have quite different outcomes around the country. Yeah. Perth, yeah. you know, Perth is a different world again. Oh, absolutely. They uh, haven't yeah. really experienced it in the same way. So Crazy. Um, everyone's got a different narrative because of the, the lived experience that they've had. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think, so you know, um, yeah, tackling that mental health part of it, I think is, is going to be something in the future that we're going to have to really face because there is a bit of a collective trauma over oh, the past yeah. two years and the experiences that we've had and how that translates to work productivity and, and lost time and all those things. It's going to be something we're going to keep exploring, especially in small business. It's, mm. it's been tough for a lot of people. Yeah. Um, but uh, one of the other things that we did speak about <laughs> is, is, you know, when there is uncertainty in the world, it often means that people avoid making those big purchases. But you did say, 
except maybe houses. <laughs> Boy, were you right. And you were right on that one. Yeah. Well, and, and it, again, showing you this pandemic-related downturn is different. Normally in a downturn, people don't buy cars, they don't buy white goods and furniture, mm. and they don't buy a ton of stuff for, for the home. Mm. And then they don't buy a home as well. But <laughs> we, we had this environment where people were nesting in their home. And so yeah. suddenly... Uh, furniture, if you could find furniture, I don't know if you tried to buy a monitor or a webcam oh, in yeah. 2020. Yeah. Um, so that product market segment just boomed. Yeah. Um, secondhand cars went up because people didn't want to be driving, uh, be on public transport, so they bought cars. Yeah, wow. um, and then we had a, a, a challenge on the supply chain of new cars because of chips out of Taiwan weren't available. So mm. prices of secondhand cars grew. Yeah. And then, yes, housing prices, with the, we had a massive interest rate cut after we spoke mm. and <laughs> we just stimulated that market no end. And government pumped a ton of money into first-time owner schemes and mm. so forth. So, yeah. Housing boomed like crazy over the last couple of years. Um, obviously, the interest rate cycle is about to turn, so yeah. it would be really interesting to see if all those uh, recent purchases uh, are well-equipped to see a few interest point rises. Yeah. 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 For, for the That's economy, yeah, I suppose we, we might dive into that a little bit, actually, when we get into the future and, yeah. and, and have a look at that. But, yeah, I thought yeah. that was really interesting listening back to that episode, uh, yeah. that prediction, which, which turned out to be right. Um, but yeah, let, let's let's now shift a bit towards what the future looks like. We, we all know that the last two years have been unpredictable. They've been hard to figure out what's going on. Um, and uh, you said something just before, which 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 hit me is that it's still people still feel unstable a bit. Mm. Um, you know, we're being told that there's all these great things, unemployment's you know the lowest it's been in ages. But then you sometimes you hear some narratives around like, well. But what about the underemployed people, or what about the participation? You know, does that just mean there's less people actually in that? So the, the, it's skewed a bit. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, Ukraine. Who knows what's going to happen there? That's that's <laughs> that's concerning. The share markets have been so up and down because of that as well. Yeah. Yep. Um, we've got an election coming up, so there's still and and what what about another variant? You know, we've got a little bit yeah. of worry about that. So there's still a lot of uncertainty, and people do feel unstable, but yet we do seem to be recovering. So mm. it is interesting and I'd love to get your opinion on all of this. Yeah. In, your, <laughs> yeah. in your eyes, like what is the most interesting, interesting thing for you that's coming up? Um, I think, well, I, I think it's all interesting because I'm an economist. <laughs> I, think, I think the economy is really interesting. It um, is. I, I think there's a, there's a number of things that aren't stable. So let's just go into those in the first point. So yeah. um, jobs is a, let's just talk about jobs. So you said, is it, Unemployment's really low. Mm. And you said, is that a participation issue? No. The participation rate now is about the same, just at slightly above what it was pre-COVID. Yeah, wow. so in other words, um, participation dropped in that initial lockdown, particularly women looked after their children when they couldn't go to school. But that bounced back. And in aggregate, um, participation rate's the same. So it's not yeah, wow. driven by participation rate. We have more people employed in this country than we did pre-COVID. We have more jobs created. Um, and that's the sugar hit of stimulus in the economy. Right. We saw a shift, though, you know, and so if your businesses, if you're in the service sector in the last couple of years, they're probably really challenged mm. um, until JobKeeper. Uh, um, but we saw, we've seen spending shift from on services, so going out, yep. Um, yep. touristy holiday things, to buying things. Mm. So retail spending is much higher. So that's been a shift. So that's created actually more jobs in sectors that maybe hadn't seen some growth in the same way. Interesting. Yeah, wow. Like um, perhaps in where, warehouses like packing. That's the thing. So think about the last mile of getting more home deliveries. There must, there's tons more jobs in delivering things at the moment. Yeah. Um, a lot of people say, well, isn't it just we shut the border down and we've got 300,000 fewer people per year coming into this country and so therefore it's just because there's fewer people. No, there are more jobs. It's wow. ex and the problem of finding people is exacerbated by, yes, we don't have that foreign um, labour force coming in. Yeah. So it's actually, it is, the labour thing is a really good story. Yeah, great. But the but is people are fed up and tired and it's been a tough two years yeah. for many people. And we think that as soon as the borders properly open and, you know, they're just open to come in, but a lot of people are going to want to take, like me, take a holiday and yeah. take extended holidays. Not That rite of passage to go overseas after university or after school yeah. hasn't been there. So 
while we've kind of said, we'll open the borders, a lot more people are going to come in. We think a lot more people are going to leave as well. Yeah, And right. so it's not going to be a one-for-one replacement either. We're likely to get a lot more students coming in. Yeah. And so we're not just going to solve the farm of picking fruit yep. challenge. We're not going to have the cafes full again. Mm. Uh, so this next year is going to be a real year of disruption in the labour market. And already for small businesses, particularly finding it challenging getting staff, yeah. uh, I think the, the rest of this year is going to be equally challenging. There's a lesson already. Mm. I mean, if you can invest in your people and have a good team that's steady and good culture, mm. then you are yeah. already better positioned to do better as a business. And how yeah. do you manage people wanting to take leave? So yeah. being proactive about, yes, I understand you have a need and a desire. How do we fit that in? Yep. And so the workforce flow is managed over the year rather than just say in April, everyone leaves. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's, oh, that, that's funny you say that because Dan's getting married in April and that's what's happening in our office. <laughs> <laughs> He's going away for his honeymoon. Someone else in our office is getting married as well. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds like a really good culture though if you're getting married. So, it, you yeah. Know, that's a good yeah. reason to go and leave. All, yeah. In the same week, our entire office is going to two weddings. Yeah. So <laughs> <laughs> it's great. I'm sure, uh, my, I'm sure my invite's in the mail. Yeah, yeah, so I look no, forward to it. Yeah. Yeah, well. Email, email. Um, yeah. We can have more chat like yeah. this. I love it. <laughs> but d- just one question on that, sorry, before we move on yeah, to the on. next point. Um, I know that we've, we've talked about wage growth mm. a fair bit. Um, would this perhaps have something to do, like some effect on potential wage growth in the future? Yeah, and world? so this is, a, this is what the RBA is really fretting about at the moment. There hasn't been the, the evidence of a real massive wages breakout across the economy as a whole. Mm. We've seen it in certain industries, but we haven't seen it in government. Mm. So traditionally, government has paid higher than private sector wages growth. Yep. Yep. And so they've been ramping back. Um, mm. And because of awards and enterprise bargains, that price pressure for wages hasn't been there. And employers have not been willing to pay above their award or their wage or their enterprise bargain. The Reserve Bank thinks that over the next six, well, in the second half of this year, that will really change. And so we've seen wages growth just recently, yeah, but not at the level really that it, it's massively spiked. We've still got wages growth technically below inflation. So people wow. are still going back mm. now, but that's capturing wages without bonuses. So I suspect yeah. some of the bonuses have been paid. But some industries, you cannot find people, um, lawyers, accountants, cyber security oh. people, um, Often sectors where we did rely on international um, people to fill particularly seasonality, yeah. uh, and and they're not dictated by awards and so forth. So in Sydney, a lot of the law firms gave all their staff apparently a ten to fifteen percent bonus or ten percent wow. pay rise recently wow. because they're being poached by London. Um, and so, there so there are pockets where it's incredible wages growth. But economy wide, we haven't seen that breakout yet. Yeah, yeah, and and obviously that plays into interest rate rises, the RBA, and and all the rest of it, which which we'll dive into maybe next. So so the next thing is inflation seems to be real, seems to be happening. <laughs> yeah, that's an economist joke. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> inflation seems to be real. Anyway, um, yeah, look, headline inflation. So that's the thing you see in the newspaper. It's yeah, three point six percent. I think last I saw. And so the Reserve Bank has a band target of 2 to 3%, but it mm. worries about what's called the core or the trimmed inflation. In other words, it strips out things that are just random yep. variables. So if there's a flood in Queensland and the price of mango spikes, that's not a real thing. No. Mm. Um, and we saw a lot of fluctuation during COVID. We cut, um, the government made childcare free. So that yeah. fell drastically. So inflation fell. But then later on, it put childcare fees back in. So it, it massively <laughs> went up. So they try and even that out. When you yeah. even that out, we're about 2.5% um, un- inflation. So it's right in the middle of the band. Mm. But the Reserve Bank talks about it wanting to be sustainably in the band. Yeah. And it wants to see wages growth as well. Mm. Now, a lot of that inflation at the moment is being triggered by supply chain challenges. Yeah. So um, this cost of getting a shipping container out of China is about two and a half times what it used to cost pre-COVID. Wow. And that's bad, but it's that five to six times in the US, just as a relativity. Um, and so, and we've got supply chain bottlenecks in uh, semiconductors, mm. in a whole lot of almost random yeah. products. Yeah. Um, it thinks that in the second half of the year, that will start to solve itself and inflation will be driven more by wages growth. Yeah, and so cool. it's talking about that's when it will start to be raising interest rates. Nice. The market isn't starting to bet that it's going to be kind of July. 
Yeah. If you listen to the Reserve Bank, they're saying it's going to be later than that. So the market is making a bet that it is sooner rather than later. Interesting. I think the market's not listening enough to the Reserve Bank. Yeah. Um, yeah. So the Reserve Bank, not that long ago, was saying it was going to be 2024 before it put up interest yeah. rates. Mm. Um, and now we're basically saying everyone expects it this year, but I expect it to be later this year or at least to ramp up later this year, even yeah. if it's a, maybe a little bit earlier. But mm. interest rate rises are coming. They're mm. priced into fixed-rate home loans already, so you're, mm. you're almost too late. Mm, from, yeah. the, from trying to fix your, your loans, I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> but uh, it, we're going to see rates increase. I don't think we will see massive single-point jumps. Um, I think the market's predicting we'll see a steady increase uh, over time of, of smaller increments. So it'd yeah. be interesting to see that dynamic play out. Yeah, yeah, because we're seeing it around the world. Obviously, you know, the in the US, New Zealand, I think, just yeah. in, increase their rate potentially. Yeah, but that's because their house prices have gone up. We think our house prices have gone up. They have gone gangbusters, mm. um, and so the house prices have just started to turn there. And they put interest rates up a number of times, and, and it didn't do anything. So mm. uh, New Zealand is in a in a worse state from a housing affordability perspective. Wow! Yeah, that's interesting. That's that's, that's very interesting. So, so what is something like um, you know? I know typically leading up to an election, uh, you know, things can can change a bit as well. So, what impact do you think that has? Do, do people feel a bit more unsteady leading up to an election, or do they just wait for purchases? And yeah, um, particularly business. Is- at times there's been an argument that business has been a bit more reluctant to invest when um, it's been an election, particularly where both parties have wildly different propositions that are yeah. being put and you don't know what environment, your you know, tax environment particularly. Sure. Mm. It feels like this election campaign is not going to be driven by wildly different tax policy, for example. Yeah. Mm. Um, it might be fought on national security and whatever else kind of emerges, but mm. it doesn't feel like either party is going with a dramatically divergent view so i I would be surprised if that's going to be a real barrier i mean i still think the issue for business has been it's been reluctant to invest just because of COVID, and the the uncertainty is different borders being open and closed and Mm. supply chain challenges and so forth that's the still the fundamental i think shaping business investment and I'm, i'm not worried about the election this time around yeah. Okay. One question, you know, election relate. Oh, sorry. Well, it is related to the election because we have a budget coming up. Mm. Um, how's government spending looking? Is, yeah, are they like, still able to do more? The or? Government debt. You know, we were so worried about that two years ago. Everyone was like, debt is a problem. And now yeah. like, what debt? Yeah. We don't care about that. Yeah. So we spent all this additional money, the federal government. Mm. Um, but in fact, its debt servicing costs have basically not changed because interest rates yeah. fell so far. Mm. So as long as interest rates stay low, um, that doesn't feel like a problem as long as we're growing the economy. The yeah. key is actually growth. Then this is what happened in World War II. We borrowed a ton through World War II. Okay. We didn't try to pay it back quickly. We actually just said, let's grow, grow faster. And the size of that debt just becomes trivial over yeah, 10, 20, right. 30 yeah. years. As compared to um, the size of the economy, right? Yeah. As compared yeah. to the size of the economy. And you don't notice it. In the same way, we didn't pay off the Harbour Bridge in Sydney for 40 years or something ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. Well, but, but no one cared. It wasn't worth paying it off. Mm. Um, the budget position has been better since that first budget when all the stimulus went in. The economy, from a budgetary perspective, has been performing better. So every time they said come out and said, well, the, the, the deficit is going to be X, it's actually been X minus 20%. Wow. And yeah, so, right. so they've been conservative and the economy's grown better than they expected. So the budget position is better than we would have expected a year ago and mm. better than we would have expected two years ago. So good outcome. That's positive. Um, yeah. And the Treasury Secretary has said, um, you, you want to see improvement in the budget position, but you, this is not a deficit Dalek point where we just say, let's get the budget back to surplus next year. Um, so mm. government will continue to be in deficit, will continue to spend um, really as long as we get growth, that's the important bit. Nice. But w- at some point we do need to get the budget fixed. And the real challenge when you come out of these um, economic shocks is Spending tends to remain higher than when you went in. It's hard to take things away mm, from people. True, now, a lot true. of the sim, a lot of the stimulus was time limited, or they shut it down. So, some of that core element won't change. But we need the economy just kind of on a more steady level. Yeah. In other words, companies feel that they know what's going forward. People feel confident in their jobs. The the borders are open, and international tourists and so forth. Yeah. Then yeah. then we'll go ahead. Now, saying we just need everything to be steady feels very challenging in a globally <laughs> challenged, still pandemic environment, but yeah. um, we're on the right track, I think. 
Speaking of steadiness, I guess there is other factors at play too. Like if we hadn't had this uh, whole pandemic experience, the news coming out of Europe right now would probably be quite groundbreaking. Mm. Uh, So Russia practically invading another country in Europe um, uh, behind sort of legal, legal jargon and things like that. But... I mean, yeah. How's that going to... Is, that, is there going to be anything happening to Australia based off that economically? So, if you look at it directly, you go, we, we have very little to do with Russia directly. Mm. Um, Putin's famously... Well, maybe it's not famously, but I've heard a quote from Putin that said, I've, you know, I know of Australia, but I don't ever think of it. <laughs> uh, Wait, didn't uh, we try so, and shirt you know, front him once? We're, we're, <laughs> yeah. we're, we're, not, we're not high on the trade list for the, for the USSR. And globally, they're not a major economy in the real scheme of things, except for um, gas. And obviously, gas into Europe is a big issue. Yeah. Um, and that's, that has flow-on consequences uh, just from gas and oil prices throughout the globe. Mm. Um, the, the other real challenge, obviously, is... Um, USS, if we get into a trade, now a trade spat with embargoes and uh, we're putting bans on things, they actually control a whole lot of really critical industries. Um, um, don't quote me on the number, but I heard the number, something along the lines of 70-odd percent of the world's titanium comes out of the USS, or oh, comes wow. out of Russia. Wow. So, so there's a whole lot of, same way we're starting to talk about critical minerals, they've got a whole lot of critical minerals that they do control as well. So that'll be interesting. Yes. Um, the Ukraine is a very large wheat-producing area. Mm-hmm. So, it could be good for our wheat farmers if there's disruption out of the Ukraine, ironically. Yeah. But obviously, this is going to... Rising oil prices will be a further challenge for inflation globally. So, yeah. we'll get caught up in that, whether we like that or not. Yeah, mm. yeah it's interesting. Like, like you, you just assume potential war somewhere bad for the economy but then you think oh well we've got all these wheat farmers or potentially even exporting more gas if needed i don't know like the, you never know what could happen no you, you don't yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah and we're far enough away that in a sense we we might see opportunities that countries that are close just aren't going to see mm-hmm. yeah interesting very interesting yeah okay so we've spoken about Unemployment. We've spoken about some of the potential things coming up, uh, interest rates, potential rising. What does that mean, you think, for maybe house prices? We're not asking to make wild swings here, but, but, but <laughs> Just give no us one could have predicted. In a range of about 1% to 2% for yeah. rise. <laughs> Look, I, I, I don't think we should be um, shocked if we do see some house price falls yeah. over the next couple of years. And that's just a correction in the market. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, we've, we've had this period of... Drastic reduction in interest rates. Um, people nesting. We saw the, the stimulus in the segment. We saw the, the rises. I don't think that's just now it will level off again at 3% growth. I think there will it will come back. And we'll see it in different segments in different areas. It's as in, uh, it, it is not going to be across the board. Yeah. In the same way that the rises were not across the board. Even mm, though true. Generally did okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think there's some interesting challenges and in almost the thing we started talking about working from home. How does that shape the house market in the, in the medium term? So we know, for example, um, apartments did not get the same level of growth because yeah. people uh, either didn't want to live in dense areas or they were looking for bigger places. Yeah. So yeah. that middle ring in Sydney particularly um, and in Melbourne, the, the major cities, the middle ring which were still close to the CBD if they still work there but were closer to amenity like parks and community shops yeah. and so forth. Is that a structural shift in our housing market? I mm. think is a really interesting point that we're going to get out to get our heads around. Yeah, yeah I mean the the move to the regions is yeah. is, a, is a real thing. You know, I, we uh, we live on the bit, central bit coast. Overstated. A bit overstated. Bit overstated. Yeah, I uh, I think regions feel it a lot. You know, mm, you get yeah, okay. it doesn't have the, it hasn't had this housing stock to absorb. It hasn't had the housing building capacity. Yeah. So some people have gone. It's not the dramatic shift that I think you know a current affair might have had when it found two people to, and built that <laughs> up as suddenly the white, the tsunami of people heading. Yeah. Uh, I, certainly, people have, and and holiday houses have certainly been filled and so forth. Yeah. I think a lot of that will drift back, um, and so I'm not overly confident that that's a a big structural shift, even though it's a it's a I'll call it a small shift. Yeah. So it's more like still close to cities or close to metro areas but perhaps shifting away from smaller apartment living. 
Um, I think that that might be slightly the outcome. Yeah. So instead of buying one apartment now, Dan, we'll just buy two next to each other and then and then knock down the wall in between. <laughs> that's, that's what Jeremy's saying. Yeah. Well, <laughs> suddenly apartments that have a study or a study nook that didn't have it's it's there'll be real. We're already seeing some of that small pricing difference mm. just driven by availability of space or features. And here's an interesting point. Dan and I discussed at length recently because we drove mm. to Bathurst. We were out in the regions recently. Well, we're, we live in a regional area, let's be honest. Yeah, we're on the central we're on coast. The central coast. Well, we went out, out west um, and, oh, it's so lovely out there, by the way. Uh, we were discussing at length, a real winner over the last few years has been people who've owned houses. Yep. Um, and we're just saying to each other, what's the next winner? Who's the next winner going to be? Yeah. Uh, because, you know, I'd love to invest some money in that. But, um, but yeah, I mean, we, we came to the conclusion that it could be um, employees, but indirectly that will probably be linked to business profits. So we think actually maybe business could be the winner over the next few years. Yeah. Um, but that's obviously, you know. Small business. Yeah, small business. But that, no. yeah, that's just our, our opinion as two humble accountants. Yeah. <laughs> I'd love to hear the economist's thoughts on well, that. That's why I, I think actually a lot of businesses did benefit over the last couple of years. Mm. There were some real, there were some businesses and particularly those service sectors exposed industries true, um, true. really suffered. But yeah. there's a lot of businesses that did really well, particularly providing goods or that shifted digital or logistics. There have been a lot of winners out of the pandemic. Oh, yeah. um, JobKeeper really was a giant, the biggest subsidy that we have seen for business. There might have been um, dressed up as supporting wages, but we know a lot of businesses benefit out of that process as well. It's well documented. Absolutely. So, absolutely. so um, there's certainly a swing back in some, particularly in the health space around bringing some jobs back online as well. So I think there might be a few opportunities where, Businesses have seen risks of being exposed to certain supply chains. And I'll add another wrinkle into that, the ESG debate. I don't know if you're, you're, you're you know, no. the, the environmental social governance type okay. issues where yeah. investors are saying, I don't want to be investing in a country with um, human slavery yeah. or questionable human rights and so forth. Yes. There is going to be a swing back in certain supply chains that are exposed either because of a company risk that's been exposed during the pandemic or that social responsibility lens that's being put on to companies to yeah, provide yeah. new opportunities in some segments in Australia that weren't there before. So I don't think it's an across-the-board business wins, but I think there are real pockets of opportunity. I think mm. you just raised a couple of great points. You know, when we, first of all, is in the accounting industry, outsourcing of professional services is a really big thing. We don't do it. We, we always define our, our differences that we're here. And, and we, that's like a, a social responsibility thing for us. Um, so I wonder if there will be a shift back to, although it, it is hard because we're trying, it's, it's hard There's to no get labor. skilled people mm. at the moment, which makes that difficult. But yeah. but that'll be interesting. But the other main point is when we were out West, they're all talking about manufacturing. N- none of them do it, but will there be a shift back to onshore manufacturing? I don't think it's going to be a manufacturing nirvana coming. You know, I yeah. think what went to China isn't necessarily coming back mm. if it was driven by cost. Uh, where we're seeing a lot of investment in is in this phrase advanced manufacturing but it okay. often it means a bit more value adding mm. so can we do a bit more processing of the food rather than sending the, sure, the raw sure. materials overseas um, and we're seeing um, a lot of investment in this western sydney's got an advanced manufacturing center of excellence and we're seeing new industries particularly defense yeah, i think we'll right. see a lot more spending in defense so the issue here is it's not going to be a giant jobs stimulus mm. it will create jobs but it, this is going to be a capital-intensive type of manufacturing mm. as opposed to the labour-intensive manufacturing that we just were not competitive. Yeah. yeah. That's very interesting. Very interesting. So, is there any other thing that you'd like to point out to the listeners that are, are just interesting things that you like to keep an eye on that we haven't already discussed? So, I think the thing that's the almost the permanent thing that's going to come out of COVID that has been a bit of a sleeper issue is population growth. Mm. Um, and so by 2030... No pun intended, sleeper issue. There you go. <laughs> Love it. So, so by 2030, we'll be, we, Australia, will have about one and a half million people fewer than we predicted pre-COVID. Mm. So in other words, if we said at the beginning of 2020, what will Australia's population be in 2030? 
will be out would have been out by a million and a half people. Wow. And that's because we shut the borders down. Yeah. A million and a half people, that's bigger than the Adelaide. Yeah, so we, massive. We're, we're effectively losing the growth of Adelaide. Um, and so that's about just under 5% of our population smaller than we expected to be. So on one hand, that's great from you know an infrastructure perspective where we were playing catch-up, we've been building hospitals and trains because we haven't been able to keep pace with the population growth. True. But if you're a business that's relying on population growth to be your growth engine, mm. you know, and that's almost anything that yeah, there's a relationship between the, the buyer and the population. So yeah. housing, yeah. housing, mm. mobile phones, clothing, you know, yep. those yep. types of things, mm. um, we, we'll be five percent smaller than we expected to be. Wow. Um, but that's not spread evenly throughout the country because population growth isn't even. So of that one and a half million, about five hundred thousand people would have been out of Sydney. Greater yeah, Sydney. There you go. So, uh, and Melbourne is the next most affected. And, you know, obviously Tasmania didn't have as many migrants, so it's not as affected and so forth. Yeah. Um, yeah. But that's a permanent thing. And so the debate we're going to have about population over the next year will be really interesting around do we try and bridge that gap? Do we yeah. offer have more migration that, to fill that gap? Or do we just yeah. get back to where we were and accept that we're going to be smaller? And so, as I come back to you, from a business perspective, it's just going to take the edge off that growth that's been driven by population. Yeah, that's so interesting as well because that, obviously that affects the amount of tax brought in and the budget and all of that. So, that's that's fascinating. It's a, something that's I wouldn't a have... Point. Obviously, I've, we've known that there's been no migration here when we've closed the borders, but but we expected that to pick back up, but I didn't yeah. realise that we'd be so far behind. We won't catch it up unless yeah. you consciously catch it up and then that's a political debate. So, this it is, is a, just, you know... When, when this is occurring over the next year, because I think that's in an election environment, uh, just keep your eyes on that and what that means. That's a good, good prediction. I like that. That's great. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks so much, Jeremy, for coming and t- chatting to us about that uh, today. This is at the end of our main topic. Yeah. Uh, we didn't tell you about this beforehand, but we do quickly do an other thing, which is just a recommendation of a, a book, TV show, a restaurant you've been to, an app that you're using, anything. Uh, I'll go first. Oh, good. Uh, I'm not sure if you've used this before, Tim, but I, I've been playing chess on that app that you made me download. <laughs> <laughs> and it's really good. Yeah, and you've like progressed through the levels. I love it. It's uh, so addictive. I didn't think I'd be that into chess, but I'm, I'm enjoying it. Yeah, ch- mm. chess.com. Yeah, mm. that is uh, a great app and it has training and it sounds like we're marketing for them. Like yeah. they're, 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 <laughs> they're not no a sponsor. Marley Spoon has not paid us today. Neither yeah. has chess.com. Well, this Marley Spoon will never pay us now, Tim. <laughs> <laughs> Let's be clear on that. They'll be bankrupt in a month. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to second that and yeah. go with an app myself. Okay. Yep. Self-wealth. Okay. Big fan of self wealth. I've recently started investing in shares, mm. which is, uh, you know, was it a good time to buy? Was it a bad time to buy? I don't know. Time time I bought to, a- yeah. The next weeks will tell. <laughs> if we're looking at the downturn, I bought about halfway down. So <laughs> the, my impact on the ground level should be much, much less. But mm. yeah, um, I'm enjoying that app. Makes it really easy to buy shares. Very cost effective. Nice. It's only like $10 per buy regardless of the size oh, that's good. of your purchase. And they make it really easy to buy foreign shares too. So, um, I've got a trust to invest in, in mm. those shares. And uh, to invest in America, it is super hard. The mm. forms are ridiculous. It's like a 100-page form. You only have to fill out about 10 bits. Mm. And uh, they basically uh, show you what to do exactly. Nice. Yeah. So, um, I'm a big fan of self-wealth. Nice. Good, Tim. Are you subject to US tax now? <laughs> you need to fill out a US tax return? I'm not really sure, to be honest. You don't want to do that. You really do not want to do that. Yeah, the, the, the form looked like a US tax return because I have seen Ooh. them. I've got some clients who get pensions over there. And I would imagine that I'm probably just going to have um, tax withheld from my dividends. Yeah. And I'll just never see anything back from those. So. Well, most US shares don't do dividends in the way Australian shares do. They focus on capital growth. That's it's right. A very different investing market. Yeah, true. I feel you needed a warning yet, disclaimer at the beginning of that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, true. Well, you know, that's the, the intro song does say if you want any specific advice. Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, no, you're right. I, I think... Uh, Maybe I can invest in the metaverse or, or something like that. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I, there's probably some good economics content around the metaverse too, but uh, we can save that for next time. You're back, Jeremy. <laughs> yeah. uh, Jeremy, have you been exploring anything recently that you're into? So can I say something that might feel two weeks 
a go. So you okay. can yeah. correct me. If, so I've, I've become addicted to Wordle. Oh, yeah. Wordle. Does, does yeah. everyone know Wordle? Yeah. I've I, heard of it. I, I was using it on the weekend, actually. Oh, yeah. yeah. It, it so, is fun. You know, I think it's that it doesn't it takes five minutes unless yeah. you're really stuck, and then it takes all day, and it's annoying. But um, <laughs> it's just one of those it keeps your brain alive. And at my age, that's not a bad thing. Do you have a um, a word that you always enter in first? Yeah, but I'm not sharing that. <laughs> that's, 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 that's proprietary. That's just <laughs> Is that how Wordle works? Like, I don't actually know. <laughs> it's yeah, there's a five letter word that changes every day. Okay, and you get five guesses. I think it is, okay. and and you start with your first word, right, and the letters change color to let you know if it's the right letter in the right spot or right. that letter is in that word but not in the right spot or okay. that letter is not in the alphabet uh, okay. in that word at all okay. and then you just keep going until you get it right nice. but you only get a limited amount of guesses until you get it right yeah. so you get, you, get six, you get six guesses six guesses and okay. and you know, your family might all start doing it, but someone will get annoyed at it because you're better at it than then <laughs> I'm just speaking from his personal experience um, and so but it's not competitive in that they're not trying to sell you anything. I love, you know, that's cool. In, often there's so many things that are gamified. Yeah. This is a classic game and you're just playing for the, for the interest. Nice. Yeah, no, it is, it is good. And, and uh, yeah, the strategy involved, people have a, a word that they always use first that has the perfect amount of like common uh, <laughs> vowels used or, or other letters that they think are going to be used regularly. And it's, that's yeah, so so people have strategy. Wow. Yeah. You've looked deep into this, Dan. I have, that, yeah. that was a good question. <laughs> Um, have you got any hot tips for GWS and the new AFL season coming up? Uh, well, with Toby not being around for five weeks that because hurts. because he was unfairly discriminated against by the AFL, <laughs> uh, it's going to be a tough start and we have a lot of injuries in the forward line. So I'm actually thinking this, we just write this year off at the moment. That's the, real, that's the real positive thinking before round one. <laughs> Right. Tim does that every year. Oh, no. Yeah. As an Essendon fan, my my interest in the season peaks over the off-season and then just absolutely plummets <laughs> after round one when we get pumped. But, That's why uh, you need to do fantasy AFL. That will keep you involved. Correct. Yeah. 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 It's been my be-all and end-all since about 2004, which was coincidentally the last year we won a final. So, yeah. Um, But yeah, no, James Hurd is leadership coaching you guys. So, I think I think there's some... You're going to have great leadership regardless of on-field results. So. He's known for his high-performance coaching. Yeah. Great bike. <laughs> Big fan. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you for listening, everybody. Thanks so much for coming on, Jeremy. And uh, if you want to get in touch with us, uh, podcast at gmail.com or two drunk accountants on all the social medias, yeah. send us in some questions. And uh, yeah, we hope to chat to you again, Jeremy. And uh, who knows, maybe in another two years' time, we'll see what the world looks like. Is there any way? After, after the next pandemic, yeah. we'll, we'll do it again. Yeah. Hopefully, uh, hopefully that's a long way away. Yeah. Is there any way people should follow you, Jeremy, or like read, read oh, your content? Uh, or? Uh, Jeremy Thorpe on Twitter. Nice. Go to LinkedIn as well. Uh, always keen and posting things. So. By the way, what is your display picture on LinkedIn? What is that? It is a copyright-free monster, and I've had that since social media ever existed. <laughs> and if you're not photogenic, you might as well be memorable. <laughs> it's so memorable, but yeah, I'm go. just always like, what is? Where is this from? <laughs> it looks like familiar. A, it's an NFT, Tim. Yeah. It's a, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. All right, thanks everybody, and calculator. Bye.